Welcome to Challenging Christianity. I'm your host, Rebecca Kinnestrand. Do you consider yourself spiritual but non-religious? Agnostic? Or maybe you grew up in a church but don't believe what you were taught there anymore? This podcast exists in that space between all-in or all-out religion. Join us in asking questions that challenge the notions of Christianity. Welcome to Challenging Christianity. It's Rebecca Kinnestrand. Thanks for joining us. Danielle Dadashi's with me, of course. And we have a new guest, Pastor Gina Herman. I'm going to let you introduce yourself, Pastor Gina. Tell us who you are. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm Pastor Gina Herman, and I am the new associate here at Holy Spirit Lutheran Church in Kirkland. Uh, I've been here about six months and uh, came, this is my second call, came from uh, Southeast Idaho, and I'm just loving being back in the Northwest. Sweet. We're loving having you here. Um, good to get some fresh blood. Not that our old blood isn't bad. It's this bad. It's all <laughs> Always good. Always fun to have new first-time guests, Always though. fun. So off the bat, first, listeners, thanks for listening. Do a little housekeeping. Please go to the Holy Spirit Lutheran Church of Kirkland website. There's a lot of recordings. Our sermons are recorded there. Crossways class with Pastor Mike is there. There's a lot of great online um, theology, if you like this type of theology, our progressive theology at Holy Spirit. So there's that plug. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so the latest episodes we've done have been a little bit more um, broad, um, broad themes and sort of things like that. And we're going to drill down a little bit more into biblical scripture today, which I find really exciting because I'm a, I'm a nerd like that. So I feel like we're going back to our roots. This is kind of how we started the podcast, a little bit more like this. Yeah, I mean, Pastor Mike's so good with that, too. And um, we started with Noah, and we did Genesis. And if you haven't heard those, please go back. You know, actually, Danielle, I was listening back on some of our podcasts, and I was like, we need to, maybe for the summer we do reruns. Oh, I love that. Re-release. Yeah, re-release, you know, highlight, high hits or whatever. I know that I hate listening to myself back then because I feel like, <laughs> you know, you're like, why did I do or say that? But the content is excellent. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And so we're doing an old, we're doing another old school. We're going deep dive into a single biblical story. What's our biblical story, Rebecca? We're doing the book of Job. Ooh, I love that one. Pastor Gina, you kind of picked this one. And as I confessed prior to the podcast, I was kind of desperately Googling the book of Job before we got on the call. Didn't get far. So, you know, our listeners are from all backgrounds and walks of life. Our target audience is sort of those spiritual, non-religious folks. Maybe they've never heard of this or for peripherally. So can you back us all the way up and tell us what the story is and start there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So first of all, I'm glad you used the word story uh, when talking about this one. Uh, Job is definitely a unique book in that it tells a a basic story. Um, I mean, technically, you could start it out by saying once upon a time there was. uh, (laughs) (laughs) And and that that would be a very appropriate. Um, So the the book of Job uh, talks about an interesting interaction uh, between God and uh, and Satan, and we'll get into a little bit more about about who Satan is in the Book of Job because it's not 
you know, the, the little guy with the horns and the pitchfork and all that, it's very different. Mm. Um, but so, so God and, uh, and Satan come together and, uh, and Satan's been roaming the world. As they do. Oh, of course. At the bar, God and Satan walk into the bar. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) Ouch. Um, (laughs) so, um, they, they're con- no, that's okay. They're conversing back and forth, and God basically asks uh, asks asks Satan what he's been up to, uh, and seriously, that's what it says. I hey, what it. what have you been up to? And Satan. and Satan says, "So I've been roaming the world and just seeing what's going on with with uh, everything on Earth." And uh, and God says, "Hey, have you have you checked out uh, this guy Job? He's one of my my faithful servants." And, uh, you know, and he's always been faithful. He's an awesome guy. And uh, Satan playing, quote unquote, devil's advocate. This is where this comes from, right? This idea says, well, well, no way. You know, of of course, this this Job guy is uh, your faithful servant. You've rewarded him with so many things. He has uh, sons and a wife and all this property and land and sheep and nothing bad has ever happened to him. So of course he would love you and worship you like, duh. Mm -hmm. And, uh, to which God replies, no, he, he is an awesome guy down to the very soul, down to the very core player, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so, uh, God says, and, you know, Satan asks, can I, can I test this theory of yours, God? And reminder, this is, this is a story told in a very common way for the time back then, um, where, uh, you know, people imagine, you know, that if if God and Satan were to have a conversation, what would that look like? So the conversation, (laughs) right? The conversation, uh, it turns into sort of this, uh, contest almost where Satan says, God, will you allow me to test your servant Job and uh, see if he's really as good as you say he is? And God says, all right, I will let you do this, but you may not harm a hair on his head. So over the course, I got to interject, okay? My daughter reads all the Percy Jackson books, and this sounds exactly like a Zeus Poseidon fight or something like that. I was just going to say. Right? Yeah, absolutely. it also, I like the the way you say you don't harm a hair on his head makes me think that God's first reaction was, listen, don't make him bald, okay? That'll make him lose faith. <laughs> hair on his head is so specific. Oh, I think goodness. hairs on everybody else's heads are going to fall. That's what I think. <laughs> there anyway. you go. Okay, moving on. Story. No, that's okay. So, um. What happens is over the course of just like a couple of months, I believe, uh, Job uh, is challenged in the way that everything is taken from him. His uh, his sons die. He loses. <laughs> yeah, he loses a lot of of his uh, his ownings, his belongings, mm-hmm. um, and then his wife dies as well. Uh, and so basically, he's left with nothing. And, uh, and is still faithful to God. He doesn't understand what's going on, but, but is still saying, you know, I know God's not the cause of this. And now is when the interesting part starts as if that weren't interesting enough, enter a new challenge. 
Job has these three friends that come along beside him and continually say, well, Job, what did you do to anger God? Hmm. And they say this over and over again, these three friends, you must have done something, just repent, just admit that you did something wrong. Friends in quotes. Friends in (laughs) quotes, exactly. And, um, And Job continually says, no, God is not a God of punishment. God doesn't cause suffering. God doesn't cause uh, anguish or pain. This stuff just happens. I've done nothing wrong. Uh, And one of the reasons I am so uh, in love or I really enjoy and love this book uh, is because it really does address that common question that so many people have of, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Yes. And, uh, you know, and it's unfortunately been a common and horrible teaching of Christian churches throughout history and throughout the world that pain and suffering is either a punishment from God because of something they did wrong or some sin, or they're tests from God to strengthen your faith, to make you a a stronger person of faith. Uh, And it's so sad to me that this is still a belief today. Um, but the book of Job directly challenges that. Mm. And and Job stays faithful the entire time and uh, and continues to talk about, you know, God doesn't cause suffering or want people to suffer. Um, and there's this one part where Job finally like really pushes back on this quote unquote friend who's who's telling me that this is God's judgment and wrath upon him. And, and Job response says, no, 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 misery does not, this is from Job 5, misery does not come from the earth, nor does trouble sprout from the ground, uh, but human beings are born to trouble just as sparks fly upward. As yeah. for me, I would seek God, and to God I would commit my cause. He does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. He gives rain on the earth. He sends waters on the fields. He sets on high those who are lowly and those who mourn are lifted to safety. Um, And that's just one little snippet of it. But he goes on and on talking about how a God that does these wonderful, wonderful things could not cause pain and suffering. Hmm. Uh, And so it's just it's a beautiful image that's given. I think Uh, that is beautiful. I do have the challenging question is. hmm. If God is the creation of all, then how can you say that pain and suffering are not part of that creation? That is a very good question. Um, And I actually thought about that myself. Um, So when the Bible talks about pain and suffering, it talks about how sin has entered the world and has made the world broken. Uh, and so when you think about uh, sin, um, you know, you, I, I don't think of it as, again, this Satan person that we have in our head that um, causes us to do bad things. Well, you know, some people just do bad things. And uh, and then there's the the image that um, that I kind of like a little better where, you know, it's almost like and you can relate to this after covid but it's almost like the world was infected with some sort of disease, disease of sin. And we as Christians and God alongside of God are working to alleviate the pain and suffering alongside God, who loves us so much that God came to earth as a human being to 
experience what being a human is like, and then to die and rise again. Mm. Um, a God who who wants punishment or a God who created evil, uh, I, I don't think would would come down to earth and be willing to experience what we experience. That's that doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah, I think it's a hard it's a really hard dichotomy. Obviously, there's entire, you know, genre of on suffering. Like, why? Why the suffering? And I do think it's still really hard to hold. God created everything and God is all good along with, well, if God created everything, then these horrible, horrible things happen to very innocent people. And I still struggle a lot with holding those two things. And I kind of, you know, I'm not sure I'm in that camp where I'm like, oh, God created everything in this way. Mm -hmm. My camp is a little bit more that I, well, I think we all in, on this call anyway, believe in evolution and, and I, oh, yeah. and I think for me, my faith is a lot more about how, um, why I exist and how I move through the world in a better way and, and to alleviate what is there currently. And, and a lot less, I think a lot less about why is there suffering? Why is there this? And blaming either a deity or whatever it is and just saying, hey, this is the way it is. And how do we, how do we work within that? Essentially and, Crap happens. <laughs> <laughs> right. Danielle, I had cut you off way earlier. What did you have something to interject there? Oh gosh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I guess one of the things that one of the things that was was kind of reverberating through me as you gave your answer, Pastor Gina, was the, the word sin, which I think means such wildly different things to different people. I think um it's one of those words that's so simple and we use it all the time. But I think about, uh, I think so often that word sin was used, has been, had been used, especially in evangelical circles to be synonymous with following what our kind of bodily urges are. This, this sin of, um, uh, sex and the sins around things that it be, I'm not saying this right. I'm going to edit this. Well, we have a, that's okay. We have a whole podcast on sin and we had called it, you know, the bucket of bad things, essentially. We talked about it, but I think pastor um, Katie and pastor Mike talked a lot about how sin should, that word is really loaded and almost unusable at this point. And it's really about separation. You're separated from your inner peace, God, you're separated from um, contentment, from, compassion, joy, mm-hmm. love, all of those things. When you're separated, that, the you know, I like the term separation as opposed yeah. to sin. For, mm. for so many people, I think sin is a, almost a trigger for, uh, a trigger word for difficult and painful memories from kind of religious trauma in a lot mm. of ways. I think the word is often used to stifle people. And so I always, whenever we use words that I think like repent and sin, I always feel like we should have lots of little caveats and explanations for what we mean by them, because I think they're so often triggering for folks who are on a spiritual journey where maybe they've experienced religious trauma, which we've explored a little bit on this podcast ourselves. I like what you're doing. Absolutely. I like that you're saying that, Danielle, because I'm normally the word police because you you, you all use these things like worship and sanctuary. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. This sounds really 
churchy over here. <laughs> liturgical. Liturgical. Liturgical, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of those words in there. Um, I think I, also I, I would say for, for me, um, the, the word sin I, uh, definitely resem- or echoes this idea of separation and just the simple fact that the world is broken. Um, I think there's there's so many things in the world that uh, are just not the way they're supposed to be and not the way uh, I think God initially intended either. And how do we go about life, you know, figuring all that out and figuring out where we fit in in the midst of all of this? So was the so the point of the book of job is just to say hey keep your faith no matter what like let's let's go back to the book and you know what yeah what else is what else are we dealing with there what yeah. lessons can we draw from this from yeah. this ancient tale absolutely um so there are a lot of really great parts of the book of job and one of the things um that all I always think about and I wanted to to share this too uh, when I was a seminary student in Chicago, we would frequently go to the Art Institute of Chicago. And my favorite painting there was by uh, George Soro, and it's the painting Sunday Afternoon, uh, which many people are familiar with. Uh, and what's so amazing about it is you walk in and it's the size of an entire wall. Like it is huge. And, um, and it is a pointillism painting. And so if you walk up really, really close to it, all you see are a bunch of these little tiny dots that are all different colors and shapes and sizes, and they make no sense whatsoever until you step way, way back. Then you can kind of see the whole mm-hmm. picture. Mm-hmm. And, um, and for me, that's always been a really powerful image of, of our relationship with God and, uh, and time uh, as we understand time. Um, every person is like one of those dots and every dot is extremely important to complete this image of the kingdom of God in our case. But sometimes things happen and we don't understand and we can't see that big picture. Um, the only one who can see it is God. Uh, and so it's really hard for us in any one particular time or, or space to, uh, to say, well, this is obviously God's doing or or not, uh, depending on, on your beliefs and your background. Um, and God actually dialogues with Job about this. Job is trying to figure out why are all of these horrible things happening? And that's when God speaks to Job and gives him this sort of big picture idea. Um, in Job 38, it says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements. Surely, you know, or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy? Um, and so Job is this beautiful example of not only persisting amongst accusers and suffering, but also, you know, turning to God with whatever suffering and saying, hey, God, what is up? What is going on? And for me, it's comforting to know that that God has all of this in God's hands. Um, and, you know, whether you're you're in the midst of suffering or experiencing this wonderful joy and high at any moment, um, God is there with you. Uh, and so I, I really appreciate that about the book of Job. 
The other thing uh, that I wanted to pull out that is my favorite, one of my favorite hymns comes from the book of Job also. And, uh, and while Job doesn't know why things are happening or why he's going through this horrible time, he still is able to praise God for very basic things. And, um, and when people continue to push him and say, nope, you've done something wrong, you must be a terrible, horrible person, Job 19, uh, 25 is where it starts. It says, for I know that my Redeemer lives. And that at the last he will stand upon the earth and after my skin has been destroyed and in my flesh will I see God whom I shall see on my side and my eyes shall behold and not another my heart faints within me. So it's just this, you know, sometimes when you don't know what to say or how to pray or are dealing with whatever that might be, there's this this great example of Job that just says, well, what? What do you have? What are the things you can be grateful for? Uh, remember those things, and God will bring those to mind also. Hmm. Yeah, that really, I, I think about, so we only hear about bad things. You know, news is generally all bad because it's news. <laughs> right. Um, because the daily living of life generally is not newsworthy, which means that, you know, those are the good things. And I have thought in the past, the amount, I know that there's a lot of criticism about religion specifically and it bringing in terrible things and so many horrible things done in the name of religion, which I don't, this, which I think is true. Those things are true. But I think, wow, what's the counter to that? You know, if you had it on a scale, like how much good has been done by religion? How many people wake up? you know, differently or do different things in their lives because of their faith or spiritual belief. And nobody's quantifying that. And I, I think it's enormous. So it's really, you know, I don't necessarily like the whole scales analogy because it's just too black and white, but just to think that the, the gratefulness for waking up and breathing still, (laughs) you know, yay. So what else happens in the book of Job? What happens in the end? Are we at the end of the story or... So, so at the end, basically, Satan gives up. Job wins. Job is the hero of the story, which is an interesting word to use, but uh, actually works really well. Ezekiel actually compares or lists Job among other heroes, such as Noah and Daniel, uh, because they were well-known heroes at that time. But he ends up being the hero of the story, and um, not only does he reconnect with different family members who have not died, <laughs> granted, but he's able to to find a, a new and different happy life. Uh, and God once again blesses him with many things, including family, new friends. I, I kind of hope that Job ditched the other three that kept criticizing him, in my opinion. But yeah. And then, uh, you know, he, he gets uh, a new new land and just regrows his property and uh, is able to go on and live, live a wonderful rest of his life. Mm. And so there's your, your happy storybook ending. That's the story. <laughs> so why do you think the book of Job was chosen to be part of the Bible? Because the you Bible know, was, let's break it down, the Bible was a chosen set of books, correct? Yes, yes. Um, so it's, it's part of the, the church word that we would use is called the canon. 
Um, and so it's so like it, Star those Wars the, canon. I know, right? It's very strange. Um, but so so it's a, a book. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of books that are are chosen by by people um, who put the the Bible together. You know, I think partly this book was chosen. It shows how different the the God of the Israelites is compared mm. to all the other gods uh, that were around in that day. Um, one of my my study Bibles, uh, as I was reading up and refreshing my memory, one of my study Bibles said that that this uh, story of Job and the dialogue between God and Satan is actually very similar to about five other ancient texts that would have been circulating around that time, but where where God is actually sort of the mischief maker. Um, and so to show that that no, our God really does love us and wants to be with us and uh, works alongside of us is a message that that would not have necessarily been the case in other nationalities in other cultures at that time. They it was frequently seen back then that that God was the one who who did cause trouble and anguish for people who did something wrong or just felt like making mischief that day, um, whatever that might be. That's interesting. Uh, that makes me think because there's mischief makers in other religions, right? You've got Loki and isn't it the Raven in a lot of um, Native um, American stories? There's a mischief maker in almost all mythology in a way. But since we only have one God, <laughs> this God has to play all the roles maybe? Could but we have be. God and Satan. Satan's the bad one. And there's always a bad one too in the other mythologies. <laughs> so so one of the interesting things I mentioned earlier, I would get back to Satan. One of the, the oh, yeah, interesting right. ideas around this is that uh, the, the Hebrew word for Satan is very similar to the word, uh, the roving one. So the person that wanders the earth and um, and and looks and sees what's happening. Uh, and it almost appears uh, one of my. Um, my other resources that I was looking at sort of suggest that the reason the first question God asks of asks of Satan uh, is not as much, you know, like you shouldn't be here or why have you come, but where have you been? As if uh, as if Satan were just one of God's many agents and angels that had been sent off uh, around the world to check in on things and see how things are going and report back and say, hey, so-and-so is having problem here, or I've noticed that this culture is really struggling with this. So it's almost like he was waiting for a report back from Satan uh, to, to say, hey, um, this is what's happening here. So in that light, Satan isn't necessarily the one who always shows up and causes mischief as much as just he's playing devil's advocate to say, hey, God, you're I, I'm wondering about your your logic here. And if you're really right about this. And um, and I think it shows that God knows us sometimes better than we know ourselves. Uh, and so that's that's an interesting uh, aspect and different viewpoint of of Satan, so to speak. I love that. I love different yeah. aspects of I like turning things on their head because I, I, we don't talk a lot, enough about that. And I don't think that. Oh, you know, who am I to say? I just think that most people's religious education gets pared down to sound bites oftentimes. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, you know, the book of Job, there's this um, kind of internet famous quote, like it says, courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is the little voice at the end of the day that says, I'll try again tomorrow. 
And it's just one of my favorite quotes because I feel that a lot being with my family. <laughs> and sometimes you feel like I'm failing on all levels and I don't know what to do. And I guess I just try again tomorrow. There's, yeah. you know, go to bed <laughs> and try again. Yeah, I liked, absolutely. I liked when you mentioned that um, that Job is held up as a hero of the Bible in Ezekiel alongside Noah, this brave biblical figure who is um, literally surviving an apocalypse and mm. rescuing all of living creation. And, and Daniel, this other huge hero who is battling and, and these strong figures who do feats of physical courage and bravery. And then we've got Job, who's essentially has a good life that that where then things start going wrong for him personally it's not a it's not a world on a worldwide scale or on a or on a um, civilization scale or anything like that it's just him working through the trials and tribulations that he encounters in his own life and i think and he's the one we that i think most of us can probably relate to of especially after a pandemic of living a relatively comfortable life that we probably weren't as grateful for as we were just a few months later when everything came crashing down and we were and our heroic, our heroism was just surviving, just mm -hmm. making the best of it. And I, I, I like the story of Job. I like a small story caught in between these huge, big world shattering stories. Yeah, I reckon that we have a lot more Job's right now um, mm -hmm. happening than perhaps before the pandemic. Um, Absolutely. Definitely, definitely a lot of personal stories um, and a lot of people needing some bullying, a lot of people needing to hang on to faith, and a lot of people needing community, you know, so desperately. Mm. Um, so grateful for this community that we have on this podcast and I hope that the listeners are, um, you know, getting a lot out of what we, we do. We're glad to be here for you, and we'd love to hear from you. If you want to write into um, challengingchristianitypodcast.gmail.com and tell us your Job story, we'd love to hear it. Um, yeah. And tell us what you think about what's happening, or maybe some other book of the Bible you want us to go over. We're talking about maybe talking about Daniel soon. Um all I know is Daniel in the lion's den. I, I, that's a classic. <laughs> right? It, I, feel like, I, I feel like Noah and Daniel are both classic vacation Bible school, Sunday school <laughs> stories, right? They really lend themselves to like children learning it because it's, it's the animals. <laughs> I don't remember like a Job interaction. No, I don't element. remember a Job, you know, I, suffering I remember, and like, pain and that mommy dies. <laughs> Right. I remember crawling through like a fake whale when we learned about Jonah and the whale. I don't remember just hanging out with a dude who was sad when we learned about <laughs> Job. <laughs> right. Yeah, it would be really interesting to do a, maybe a trio, um, just the children's, you know, collective, essentially, and revisit that, yeah. you know, in the eyes of not being children anymore. That would be an interesting one. So veggie um, tales for grownups. There you go. <laughs> um, Pastor Gina, any anything else? Final thoughts on Job for us? 
Uh, I just, I think if you are um, going through a tough time, like, like Job was, as many folks are, uh, I encourage you to go through and, and read it for yourself. Um, I find it to be really, really helpful. Um, and, and remember that, that whatever you're going through, uh, that God loves you, that God is with you, um, that God never gives up on you. And uh, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting all verklempt over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What other, I love that. What other, what are, where else can they turn that since we're going deep into the Bible? Where, what other passages, what other places can people turn to if they're experiencing a lot of pain right now? Yeah. Um, so there, there are a lot, a lot of scripture verses throughout scripture, obviously. Um, but uh, the Psalms can also be a wonderful source of prayer. Uh, and one of the things that's great about the Psalms, if we ever get into the Psalms, is that there is a Psalm for almost every occasion that you can think of. Uh, there are Psalms that uh, begin angry and frustrated and end in hope. There are Psalms that begin angry and frustrated and end in anger and frustration. So there isn't a happy ending, right? And sometimes it feels that way. Um, but there are also Psalms that, that will bring comfort and Psalms for joy. Um, so the Psalms are always a wonderful um, reminder uh, that God listens to us no matter what we're feeling at any given time. Uh, and I think that the other story that, that automatically comes to mind um, that is one of my favorites, actually, I think it, it is, I can say it is my, my favorite gospel story is the widow at Nain. Uh, and that's one uh, from the, the book of Luke. Um, and it's just this beautiful story of this woman who was a widow and has suffered so much and then lost her son on top of that. And there's this, uh, this grieving crowd uh, that is following her out of the city as part of their, uh, their memorial for this little boy. And he is, he is laying on uh, a flat surface that they're carrying out. And Jesus sees them from afar. And it just says, Jesus' heart went out to her. And then he touches the beer that he's lying on and he comes back to life. Uh, and it's this beautiful story of God reaching to us um, you know, even if we don't know God well, God knows us uh, and will reach out to us regardless of what what is going on in our lives and will will see us um, and grieves with us and God's heart goes out to us. Uh, mm. So those are a couple of the ones that I really love and uh, bring me hope and joy in the midst of pain and suffering. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your guidance within the Bible. Um, we do see you and we do hear you listeners and mm -hmm. we can't thank you enough for giving us your time and attention. And I hope uh, that you all have a good week and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.